Welcome to Unlikely Intersections, where intent, impact, and inquiry inspire our conversations. I'm Doc Philip Brown. I'm here with Dr. Terry Jackson, and we're at the intersection. The interesting thing about intersections is that we all face many intersections every day. These can be at work, at home, at play, at church. How we handle those intersections determines the trajectory of our day and of our lives. So today we got a really interesting topic. It's uh, got a local flavor with a national connection. It's beer and it's true colors, which is evidently no longer a thing as of just a little over a week ago. What started as an interesting dream crashed down to be something much different. What do you think? You know, <clears throat> I remember when the formation of True Colors first happened, I was having a conversation with one of their key employees at the time, and <clears throat> there wasn't a good feeling about just the start of it. You know, what were the objectives of, of what he was actually doing? Um, getting these rival gang members together to come into business with each other and work with each other. And I guess that the intentions were initially good, but the fact that they were required to remain in their gangs um, caused a lot of questions. That model just didn't seem to, to work. He thought that it could influence gang members to leave uh, the gang or want to put that lifestyle away when in fact it may have just uh, perpetuated it. I'm not quite so sure. So for me it was, understanding the objectives and now that it's closed the question is were were the objectives achieved and so i i don't know if we'll ever get any answers to that because i'm sure that person who started true colors will probably say yes um given what objectives he set for the organization but from a social perspective were the objectives met that's a great question. And, you know, always here we are, intent versus impact, right? right? So if we take the most respectful interpretation and say the intent was good, then we really have to scrutinize the impact and see, you know, what does that mean? Now, I can tell you, you know, as somebody who has had a leadership position at the hospital, I get a text message every time there is a violence incident a shooting or a stabbing that hits our emergency department and i can tell you those are happening on a daily sometimes more than daily basis i don't know what the statistics show from a law enforcement standpoint from a city or a county perspective there is a lot of devil in the details about mm -hmm. those statistics mm -hmm. but what i can tell you is that the injured humans that are hitting our emergency department after a gunshot wound or another violent incident like a stab wound is clearly going up and has for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And so you couple that with the fact that now this organization that was certainly providing gainful employment to a significant number of people from our community is no longer here. Mm -hmm. All those jobs are now gone. So I, you know, I moved to ask what happens to the people because people matter the most. Absolutely. It's always people first. And, you know, I understand there was some training there as it relates to business acumen. 
some training there related to expertise of brewing the beer, right? But there was always a question by certain team members uh, what the real agenda was. And when you walked out into the community, the community had differing opinions around the objectives and what the true agenda was. And, of course, as soon as I heard that it closed, I said, well, I kind of figured that was going to happen. And I wondered what happened, and then I hear that it was uh, not being able to access funding, right? But the most important question, as you mentioned, is what happens to the people who were gainfully employed and who were taking care of their families? Um, and I want to say somewhere the number was probably somewhere around 50 to 60 employees that I understand. Um, what now happens with them? I know that they're trying to get them gainful employment, but, but what about the other lessons that they learn from not just being employed, but how to work? collaboratively with others that you may not necessarily agree with or you may not necessarily like, right? That's the kind of, uh, the kind of uh, questions that have to be answered and how do we move forward uh, with the people and not only the people but the facility in and of itself. It's amazing that you know, there's national sponsorship of that beer, I mean, Molson Coors bought, I think it was a 10% stake in that product, mm. right? A, a massive company, longstanding, big reputation, possibly used it as a part of their, uh, you know, environmental social mm. governance strategy mm -hmm. uh, as a contribution back to the community. And now that's gone. It's interesting what becomes of any of it. What become you know what replaces it if you're Molson Coors? Mm -hmm. You know what does the loss of that mean to Wilmington's economy? Yeah, it's uh, you know fifty jobs in Wilmington is a, a nice sized company, given you know uh, especially for for the population of the people that were being employed. You know uh, they were given a second chance maybe even a third chance, uh, to be gainfully employed so they can become productive citizens within the community. And now the same institution that would enable them to become productive uh, citizens now, you know, they're no longer employed with. So, you know, again, what happens to the people? What happens to their families? You know, what is the mental mindset? What is the mindset of those who were there who were, I guess, in the process of probably changing or transforming their lives because they were given the opportunity to work and to gain some skills. And now, um, is there a feeling of betrayal? You know, especially for when you're talking about those who were in gangs and how they view betrayal. And that's an interesting question that I guess we'll have to kind of continue to ask. And then what are the outcomes? You know, is it uh, in some of the increased violence that we've seen, is that tied to, to you know, true colors um, and, and them no longer being around? Just, you know, what's at the root of it, right? Uh, but uh, I, 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 we may not ever know what the real answers are or what their real objectives were, but it'll, it, it's a great topic for discussion because we're talking social change. We're talking about transformation of, of people. Right. And then we're talking about the impact of all of this that's had on on people, because 
you know, people were looking for a reduced uh, activity as far as gang activity because of True Colors and what they were talking about doing and trying to work with people. But not quite so sure that uh, that 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 occurred. Haven't looked, haven't seen the statistics, uh, but man, maybe that's where we need to dig. Yeah, and you talked about you know the model, and you talked a little bit about what happens next, and it makes me think about a lot of our conversations around leadership, right? So mm-hmm. when we're uh, in audiences where we're coaching leadership, teaching leadership skills, mm-hmm. we we deal with the concept of failure a lot as an important building block. Yes. And so it really makes me wonder, so, you know, going forward from this, which I think at this point in time, we got to say is a failure, right? It's closed. Those people who were working there didn't anticipate that. Right. They took a bit of a chance to put themselves out there, to go through all the training, to put himself in a position with people who we know didn't have the same views as one another because right. rival gangs, That's right? right? That's right. And so it's a matter of growth from the failure, a mm-hmm. concept we teach all the time that's in right. leadership, right? So right. where does that go from here is a, is a question that's, that's really in the forefront of my mind. Yeah. What is the opportunity? And, and here's another way we, we, we often put it. How do we take lemons and make lemonade, right? Because this is an opportunity. Some people won't see it as an opportunity. Those who were impacted and 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 uh, lost their jobs. You know, it's it's like one of our friends, Dr. Rao, says, "Good, bad, who knows? Short term could be good. Short term could be bad. Long term could be either. We just don't know. Uh, but we have to find a way to use this as an opportunity to make life better, not only for the community but for the people who are impacted." Well, you know, we know a little bit about the community that the building sits in because we've got it on the Healthy Communities dashboard. Mm-hmm. And that building is just a couple of blocks down Greenfield Street from what's going to be the first Michael Jordan Family Medical Clinic, right? Mm-hmm. So we know that area currently is a food desert. Mm-hmm. The Food Bank Project and Novant Health will eliminate that food desert. That'll happen early in the calendar year or mid-calendar year whenever the facility opens and we know that the level of poverty in that community is incredibly high because 99.8 percent of the children uh, I mean excuse me 99.8 percent of census tracts in the country have a lower percentage of children living below 200 percent federal poverty level Mm -hmm. and so you know we know the environment around that building that business including its physical plant, but really its concept was an important uplift for that, for that community. And now it's profoundly in question. And so it makes me think who are key stakeholders that might want to figure out what to do with that. Right. What, how to make something positive out of, out of what was started. Right. Whether that is to, uh, purchase it and continue it as a brewery, whether that is to repurpose it as uh, some other type of business or institution, be it for-profit, be it non-profit, you know, just how can the community utilize it in such a way that it brings about some positivity to the community, it brings about uh, employment to the community, and it brings us together uh, so that we could have the discussion to 
I'm going to use the word eradicate this gang activity, right? Uh, I know we've had a lot of conversation around music and the message that the younger kids are getting from the music, right? How can we utilize it to begin to make that shift, right, uh, around what it really means to be a community member uh, in good standing versus creating some of the chaos and the violence that we've seen uh, over the last uh, four to five days. You know, I see, uh, I see so many lessons of the past come into play uh, for this particular question, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the lessons that, that I've learned and my organization has learned over time is that the solutions really have to come from the communities. Mm-hmm. It takes a whole different level of dialogue, right? And at the same time, it seems like there's a, a hunger to do some positive things. And so it becomes a matter of really being in the community, listening to the community, helping create alignment, if you will, in the community of what could possibly be. And it seems like we would all, as a, as a larger community, have a huge stake in making that second iteration of, of that program or that building or whatever you, however you want to characterize it into something magnificent. And, you know, I don't want to take this time to just say that what True Colors did was a bad thing. I think he kind of showed us some possibilities of what could happen, right, initially. Maybe the approach wasn't right as people were included or excluded from the process of what this should look like, right? But there is some opportunity and some possibility there because these people were willing to come together. These rival gang members were willing to come together. And the key is how do we bring them together in such a way where they want to denounce, you know, those affiliations and understand that they're just human beings who have the same wants and needs as every other human being, and they want opportunity. They may have had a checkered past, but supposedly in this country we have a word called forgiveness, right? But what I often find is, Forgiveness is hard when it's practiced. It's easily said, but hard in practice. And so we have to begin to practice the forgiveness for those who may have had some checkered past and give people second opportunities. I mean, there are all kinds of examples out there of people who've been down the road of not having a checkered past, and then you look into their future, and you well, you look at you know what they became, and it's like, wow. I mean. Dr. King was arrested a number of times. <laughs> you know, his mugshot was taken him a number of times, but he's still a great man, right? So it's not that these, and I don't even like to say gang members, these people who affiliated themselves are, 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 are bad people. They may have made some bad choices, but how do we, how do we put ourselves in a position to help them make better choices? And how can we as a community make better choices? And this is going on across the United States. So it's just not a Wilmington. If we can solve it here, we can take the solution elsewhere and we can solve the same problems. I lived in Los Angeles in 1990 to 1994. 
working for Mobile Oil, my territory included Compton, California, and South Central Los Angeles. So I saw, quote unquote, the worst of the worst of gang activity. Because the majority of the locations I was responsible for were in those kinds of areas. And so um, I know that there are solutions. We just have to, as a collective, sit, develop, and implement the solutions. Yeah, I'm so curious about the fact that these rivals came together and produced. Mm-hmm. They came together, they produced people that are effectively enemies. To me, that says a lot about the scarcity of opportunities mm. in Wilmington, mm-hmm. right? Because if opportunities were abundant, you'd probably be more likely to do something with your friend than you would a rival of any kind. Yet, somehow, this concept of maintaining rivalry but creating a product took off. And it flew for several years through several iterations. Mm -hmm. And so, to me, that says, what do we need to figure out in terms of opportunity not only for these people who are now left out, but what about all the other people who are like them, who we may see in different environments, including things like the shooting at New Hanover High School? Mm-hmm. Where are the opportunities? Or more importantly, if we take it for granted that they don't exist now, how do we create them? That's right. That's right. You know, it's like the pandemic, right? I looked at the pandemic and everything was gloom and doom, and I asked myself, what opportunities, what possibilities are going to come out of this? We saw a whole lot of new companies created, right? So now let's take that and let's compare it to what we're talking about, right? Opportunities are always there. Sometimes we want to feed into, into them, and other times we don't want to feed into them. And when I think about True Colors and what you were just saying, what the two rival gang members realized in coming together is what they had in common. And that was they were all seeking employment and to turn their lives around in a particular way that they could provide an income for themselves, for their families, and do something productive. So there was a commonality there. And that commonality was around employment. Right, so they found that in common. They all, and so at the end of the day, it was really about money. They all realized they needed money. They were willing to temper whatever their activities were to come together for true colors and the greater good. Not that they didn't have any um, anxious moments within the company, because I understand that there were some moments where people, you know, became upset. You know, there were arguments. But ultimately, they understood that they were there to build a business. They supposedly had equity in the business. They were to learn some skills that would help them in life. And so that's what they kind of rallied around, if you will. Uh, And so now that's gone. So you're saying basically that a sense of purpose was at the center, and that purpose sounded a lot like 
take care of themselves and their families. Sounds pretty. It resonates with me, right? Yes. Same thing yes. I do every day. That's it gets right. back to the concept of shared humanity. That's right. Right. And now we find a situation where, let's be honest, there just aren't as many opportunities for certain communities in our town or across the country to do that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I, I reflect back on, you know, coming up in school and you're hearing, you know, you go set up a bank account at your local bank and you get to know the banker. And as I look through the community today, I don't see any banks in the black communities. So I can't establish that bank account more or less a relationship with the banker right and and that's a part of this because th what this what true colors allow was some relationships to be developed that probably would have never been developed before right it gave hope right as you said it spoke to being a human being and feeling like a human being and feeling good about yourself and wanting to take care of your family just that that whole need for self-preservation. I'm able to provide. I feel better about myself because I can provide. So there was a lot of good in it. But now it's gone. So what are the opportunities now? That's what we have to discover. What the new opportunities are given that facility, given this group of people, that we can use this as an example or framework of how to recover, right? Because it's often about not getting knocked down. It's about how do you get back up? How do you recover? How do you see the world? How do you need to see the world differently? How do you need to think differently? How do you need to act differently? And instead of falling into quote unquote victim mode, how do you become the victim by discovering new opportunities? And that's what that's what our goal should be. I wondered what the best way to do a skill assessment is, right? Because mm. there was a, a heavy developmental arm mm -hmm. to that. I mean, much more so than just how to brew beer. Mm -hmm. And so what does that assessment look like? You know, I keep going back to leadership, to what would you do in any other organization? Let's say that, you know, True Colors is just a particular division of this company that we need to close, but we're basically going to repurpose, mm -hmm. you know, the skill sets of the people mm -hmm. so that our company continues to give those people a, a viable opportunity to go forward. You know, it's kind of what keeps towns alive, right? right. Like companies close all, all the time. Right. This is not a, unique thing by any stretch of the imagination you know but what can what can happen so that those people continue to be viable and continue to have upward mobility opportunities based on what they learned already well i would think that teamwork is which is crucial in today's workforce that teamwork was probably learned there right there had to be some org development there had to be probably some financial literacy that was learned around P&Ls or budgets. Uh, there was probably some leadership skills that were learned there, right? There were probably some sales skills that were, were learned there, some administrative skills. 
And so once we do an assessment or if an assessment is done of the skill sets, then it's going to take some courage from some other employers in the area to want to employ those people who may have had a checkered past. Maybe they need to look past that and say, well, hey, they were at True Colors and some of them can be assets to to us and our organization. And then again, what are the new opportunities for entrepreneurship with those same people, uh, given the right environment, uh, with the proper funding that could, uh, we could, that, that, that facility could be repurposed and created into something that allowed for new entrepreneurship to go on, utilizing some of the same employees that were at True Colors. Other than the employees themselves, you know, the question really becomes who knows, who really knows what skill sets are there, what the gaps were, how do we as a community organize around finding the answer to those questions because it's no different than than our favorite theme, root cause, right? That's right. Like it also comes down to, you know, fundamental capabilities if we know that, we have a chance to, to provide opportunities or deploy differently. Right. You know, a, a lot of that information, of course, it wasn't shared, right? Say, for instance, uh, job titles and roles and responsibilities. I'm not quite so sure what that looked like in True Colors, right? Because that, that information wasn't shared, you know. Uh, if we could access, uh, get access to that, those types of uh, documents, it would give us a, a good indication as to, who filled those roles, and so we would know the names of the people who had those roles and responsibilities, and we would know what their skill sets were, right? Um, I don't know if we could get access to that. I don't know if it, it means having a conversation with um, a group of leaders from True Colors who were actually working the brewery to understand what their roles, responsibilities, and skill sets are. Uh, what they what they want their future to look like from a, a, a from a culture from a, a career perspective, what they actually learned from the experience, um, and if there are any who may have the ability to create their own businesses, uh, because Wilmington has always been an area where it had been a lot of great a great deal of corporate large corporate entities here employing people. It's been mainly around entrepreneurships. Uh, which includes, you know, from, from from real estate to HVAC. That's the kind of woman, the, the kind of city uh, or the kind of uh, businesses that that have employed people here in Wilmington. And so, how can we help them either become employed or become entrepreneurs? You know, but there's a lot that we need to find out about what they were actually learning or learned within that environment. And that's a great, that's actually a great invitation to our audience, right? To say, you know, reach out to us, hit us up at unlikelyintersections.com and help us understand how we can be a part of that solution. That's right. And maybe help facilitate. That's right. Uh, and cause that's what's needed, right? Um, because they learned something there cause they worked there for a number of years. So they had to pick up some skills. But if no one is really communicating that, then we don't know and we need to know because at some point in time, True Colors Brewery is going to either remain a brewery and it's going to reopen or someone's going to buy it and turn it into something different 
and they will probably need employees because, and I'm going to date myself with this, that building that they repurposed for the brewery many years ago, late 60s, early 70s, was Century Mills. It, it, they they um, created fabric there, um, different types of, of yarns, uh, and it was a manufacturing facility. And it just sat there idle for many, many years, and it sat there for so long that True Colors was able to get a deal, and they turned it into a brewery. So at some point in time, it's, it will become another business, or it will be, you know, someone, some other brewery may decide that they're going to purchase it, and we need to know the skill sets so that we can continue to promote and encourage uh, employment of, for people in Wilmington. Yeah, and it's a beautiful facility. I've toured it. With, you know, we had some Novant Health leadership here to look at the ecosystems around the Michael Jordan clinics, and mm-hmm. we, had, we had a great tour. It's a truly beautiful facility. I mean, it definitely needs to be put back into service some way or another. But I want to change gears a little bit because one of the things that we mentioned earlier was around the, the connection. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, we had talked about violence and we had talked about how are these things connected? And obviously they, they're connected through people. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not, uh, you know, it's not nameless, faceless organizations. These are people. These are our neighbors. These are fellow community members. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how does that story come together? What are the connections between people? And how deeply are different events connected, or what do we even know about that level of connection at this point? Well, Doc, I think that you and I know certain people in the community that we could probably pick up the phone and talk to, who could probably give us the connections. And and so in conversations over the last five days, I've been able to put some of those connections together. Uh, and a lot of it's deeply connected to what we've seen in the last four to five days is deeply connected to gangs. I think there was one incident that wasn't gang-related, right, from what I understand and the conversation I had earlier today. But a lot of a lot of it is gang-related. And I know that uh, I think there's a group called Port City United who's trying to have these conversations and confront that. And I really think that at at his true intent that George Taylor wanted to kind of eliminate and eradicate that by bringing people together. Again, the approach may not have been the best, but it's all people-oriented. It's who you know, right? The key is how do we connect and have the conversations, the convincing, compelling conversations to realize to get the people to realize that this is of a detriment to you, to your family, and to the community. Given this past weekend that I know of, there were two deaths, 118, 117. The people who perpetrated the crimes were were arrested. Two 18-year-olds, two 16-year-olds, and a 17-year-old. So two people dead, five people in jail, all of the families impacted. Whether 
The sadness is someone going to prison for a very long time or the death of a loved one. Everything was negative around all that happened. Over an affiliation with the gang. I don't know what it is to be in gang life. But there's a need there. There's a there's a felt need by those who join these gangs. Some affiliation, some love, whatever they missed along the way that maybe their families didn't provide. Maybe it was peer pressure and it could have been survival. I either have to join a gang or I got to fight every day. I don't know. But what I do know at the very root is it is a societal issue. And it impacts everybody. And we have to be able to address it because the connections are strong. When I heard the names, I instantly made connections to people who were involved. And I knew some of the fathers, the mothers. I knew the ones who were either killed or the ones who perpetrated the crime. As I looked at the names, I could connect the dots. And so I'm sure a lot of other people in the community were able to connect the dots as well. And so it impacts all of us. Uh, even though we might not see it, and sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll say something uh, to my mother. I'll say, you know, some people wake up in the morning and they don't have to be concerned with this. But in fact, they do because it happens everywhere, some places more than others. So those connections, we, we know those connections, we feel those connections. Here's how do we resolve it through communication. Some people are so rooted into that lifestyle because it appears to be so beneficial to them that they can't see anything else. Lack of vision, lack of hope, that's all they know. They don't know what it is to sit down and have a conversation and resolve whatever differences you have via conversation. There always has to be some violence. You know, you get that from the movies, from the music. And we talked, we were talking about the music, you know, uh, and the lyrics that are uh, on some of the rap music that they listen to. And some of them don't understand that for some of those rappers, that's not their lifestyle. They're selling music. For some, it might be their lifestyle, right? And so it's all connected. We just got to find a way to build a new spider web a more positive spider web than the spider web that exists now because this spider web is death and destruction. We need to build one of vitality and, and living. Uh, but that's going to take some real transformation and some real leadership because half of the people who are in leadership positions, more than half, the majority of them, they're afraid to go out into communities, have these conversations with the people who are committing these, these, these crimes because they're fearful. They're fearful of them. They're just another human being. They're not willing to go and address. You know, it's easy to talk through the bars. It, you know, it's easy to talk to somebody when in the police car. It's hard to go out there and say, how, how can we prevent this from happening? Because everything what we're doing is, is reactive. You know, it, it's so close to home in a way, right? So I got, a, you know, two teenage kids, 17-year-old son, and I'm mm -hmm. here, you know, this weekend – Two kids that age are dead. Mm -hmm. Five are permanently changed for yes. life based mm -hmm. on what's likely to happen to them. Mm -hmm. We talked about earlier how once 
you know, once you carry that kind of charge, that kind of conviction, mm-hmm. life becomes uphill. Mm-hmm. And it just, it makes me think, you know, these kids are neighbors. Our community's fairly small, right? Like, we, we, we may not want to think about it that way. We may want to put ourselves behind a gate mm-hmm. or something else. But it's a pretty small community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we go back to friends we knew from school, other connections that we still have, there are so few degrees of separation. That's right. And it just occurs to me that, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the people that are in our age group and younger and older, for that matter, probably could help provide some opportunities, some gainful employment, some different kind of opportunities that would allow people to transcend. I like the word transcend from these, right, because it just it's visionary and it says there is something better, which I think is a great guide for all of us, right? We don't even have to know what it is. We just have to believe. That's right. That, hey, this can be, you know, the next iteration is going to be better than the past iteration of me. That's right. You know, like you're uh, uh, you're the one who told me, I think it came from somebody else, though, you know, you reinvent yourself with every breath. That's right. That's so right. what does that That's look right. like? That's right. That's right. That's right. It, you know, I can just speak from my life, period, uh, personally. Um, thinking about what I wanted to become what I wanted to do and what I wanted to achieve. It was all a dream, (laughs) you know. um, Single parent home, playing sports, understanding, you know, if I do well athletically, I can do well academically. And, you know, going to college and having a vision around what I want my life to be and what I want it to look like, right? And so, you know, the goal of getting a corporate position and then uh, moving and, and working with some of the, you know, top companies and then wanting to be uh, one of these uh, thought leaders, right? And so I, there are plenty of people who have, who have um, transformed their life and transcended conditions, right? So we know it can happen. It, it takes a focus, you know, it takes um, thinking differently. It takes acting differently. Um, but it also takes mentorship for someone to be able to show someone that this is possible. And I think in Wilmington, there's a lack of hope, right? And we have to reinstill hope and confidence. And then for those people who don't necessarily agree with what we're doing, we have to be able to show them what courage is, what courage looks like. Because there's a lot of people out there who are not stopping to have conversations because of the fear, when in fact they should have courage to understand that this benefits us all in this community. Because it is a very small community. Um, It's not large at all. And you talk about six degrees of separation in Wilmington, it may be two to three degrees of separation, right, from everybody who knows everybody. You know, we connected. You know, if I reach out to somebody... You know, you give me two or three people and I know everything about a situation because that's just how small the community is. And we have to understand how we're all impacted. Even the closing of 
true colors. It has an impact on us because you know, we kind of saw what happened. You know, this this you know not that it's one hundred percent tied to it, but it's gangs, right? And we have to make the world a better place, and we have to start with us, and then we have to be able to um, help others. Right? We got to be able to serve others as well, and so. Um, all all of this is connected. I think about just relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Like your and my relationship. We told that story in an earlier episode, mm -hmm. and how that mm -hmm. how that came to be, and then you know what happens after, right? Right. That's, That's what right. really. That's right. I mean, one we're doing this show, right? But the real thing is, you know, I began to think differently, right? Because. I knew someone who had the skills and was available to help us at that time, New Hanover mm -hmm. Regional Medical mm -hmm. Center and mm -hmm. our health system mm -hmm. with programs, right? With leadership training, with transformation education mm -hmm. around a, mm -hmm. a, a huge merger acquisition. Mm -hmm. And that also changed your trajectory in the community mm -hmm. as well as you know folks began to see things that were a little bit uh more possible than maybe they thought mm -hmm. and a lot of that was just born out of the relationship it was born out of having conversations mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was of mutual benefit uh, and it, it kind of, you know, one of the things that always drives me nuts, this is a little deviation from the true color story, but, you know, when people talk about how you bring in people different from you to an organization, mm -hmm. they think about it in terms of, well, I may have to compromise. Mm -hmm. And that's just so ridiculous, mm -hmm. right? Like the truth of it is you can have excellence and you can have difference in the same person. That's right. And we always, you know, there's a there's this big myth that you see in corporate America, and and you hear it. I bet you you've heard it hundreds of times, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I just want the best person, right? <laughs> right? Like right. what a myth that right. is, right. right? Because right. there's no best person for any given job. There are numerous people of all different backgrounds, temperaments, talents, convictions that can do a great job. That's right. None of them will be the same. That's right. And if I'm looking to fill a position like that, one of the best things I can do is look for somebody who's not the same as I am. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we make that mistake all the time because it gets to what? Comfort. That's right. You know, but it, at the end of the day, it doesn't take us anywhere. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It, it's amazing. And uh, I think there's some conversations that I don't know how often they happen. I think it's uh, intentional collisions. Is that the conversation? Is that the, the, the I've, I haven't attended any of them, but I, I know what the purpose is around DEI and getting to know people in the community. Right. <clears throat> and that's I, I commend that intentional collisions. But those should happen every day. That's why we're talking about intersections. Right. Because when I stop when I walk through the mall, I may see somebody that I don't know, maybe of a different persuasion. Maybe we might bump into each other, right? And, I, oh, hello, I'm sorry, I, I apologize. But that gives me the opportunity to get to meet someone 
that I haven't met before, right? And they get a chance to see me. Tell a funny story. Um, I'm going to the lead conference to be the uh, moderator for Artificial Intelligence on Friday. So I park in the deck across the street from the Hotel Ballast. As I'm going to the uh, elevator, this uh, white young woman, she looks up at me and she says, you must be uh, Terry Jackson. I'm like, yes, I am. She says, I'm Sarah Arthur. And she says, I'm going to be presenting you today. I said, okay, Sarah, how are you? And uh, we, we're having a conversation going down the, um, the elevator, and we walk across the street. And so we started going up the steps of the hotel, and all of a sudden I, I, got, I had a misstep, and I kind of tripped. And as I kind of tripped, I reached out, and I kind of pushed her, and she kind of tripped. And so I made sure she was okay, and I made sure I was okay. But the first story she told <laughs> when she introduced me as a moderator said, we had a real good meeting this morning. We both fell together coming up the steps, right? <laughs> but it allowed for something as silly as falling for two people who had never met each other before to create some kind of relationship. And that's a story she can tell the rest of her life. I can tell the rest of my life. When I see her, we're going to laugh. When she sees me, she's going to laugh. But it allowed two human beings to be human, right? Because in the time of falling, I'm making sure that she's okay. I'm making sure that I'm okay. And she was making sure that I was okay, right? Nothing about white and black came out. It was two human beings who was falling on some concrete steps who, who wanted to make sure that everybody was okay, right? And no one was, was injured. So that, that's a connection that I'll have Every time I see her, and we need to have those, we don't need to fall, but what we need to do is we need to have those kinds of connections where people just take the time to get to know each other. Well, you know, that gets us right into when you, when you start talking about health. I always bring it back to health. It's all I know, right? Mm -hmm. um, when you start talking about health, the physical environment is so important, right? It helps fight social isolation. Mm -hmm. It helps create those intentional collisions and you can actually i mean you can build a city mm -hmm. to create the very things you're talking about right mm -hmm. ours has not been built that way most are not um you know but as we look at what the next evolution of things are for us as we face some of the tough questions around basically land availability in New Hanover County, mm -hmm. different land use codes and all those kind of things. We have a pretty unique opportunity to build for some of those intentional collisions. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, we get those relationships more organically. Mm -hmm. And it would be amazing. I think that's such a big part of you know, my vision for North Carolina to be the health, the top 10 American state for overall health by 2030 for our region to lead that um, really fits in with some serious uh, changes in terms of how we construct, right? How do we make the town more walkable? Mm -hmm. How do we do all these things that bring people together? Mm -hmm. Much like our, you know, like our NC swim program, mm -hmm. it created all these organic opportunities for people to come together, mm -hmm. have conversations, 
share one another's lives a little bit, mm-hmm. right? We're mm-hmm. just, we're not much different, right? We, we all have ne- similar needs. We all have similar desires, you know, with customizations based on our personality. That's right. That's right. You know, I think part of the transcendence happens in the language, right? The verb, the verbiage we use and the connotations that are associated with it, right? So maybe we need to not call them gang members, right? Maybe we just need to call them by their names, if we know their names, right? Because if I call you a gang member, then what I've done is I've dehumanized you and I've objectified you. So I can, I have a certain expectation when I say gang member, gang member. But if I just call you by your name, then I'm just talking to a human being. You know, there's no affiliations with any gang or anything. And I've always been told that the sweetest sound a human being can hear is the sound of their name, right? So now I know your name. Not not your nickname either, right? Because we, then we'll get into this episode we're going to get into about uh, identity theft, right? But I just need to know your name and call you by your name. That's all I need, right? I don't need to objectify you or dehumanize you. I don't need to have, even though I, I talked about intentional collisions, Maybe I don't need to give the connotation to collision as something negative, right? You just said it in a very positive way a few minutes ago, and I thought about that. I said, ah, collision, intense collision, okay, that's negative. But no, the way you said it, you put it in a positive light, right? So maybe I need to check my connotations around uh, the language, right? But I think language is, I think language is, 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 is important, how we address and how we talk to people, um, and help them understand what the connotation is. It's like I always ask people, I say, what do you think of when you think of a lemon? And they say, well, you know, it's something, that is, it's, it's something that's sour. I say, but think about the medicinal benefits that it has to your body, right? So you don't think of it in a negative light. You don't think about the sourness when you think about the medicinal impact that it has on the body because now you're going to give it a, a, a connotation of being good. It just is. A lemon is a lemon is a lemon, right? And a human being is a human being is a human being. We all have our personalities. We all have our egos. What we have to be able to do is to check our egos and check our personalities um, and just treat people humanly. And when we treat people humanly, all the other stuff, all the other qualifications that we put on people, they just subside, right? Maybe that's dreamland. I don't know. But there has to be something new that's created in order for us to see each other as equals. Because right now, we don't see each other as equals for the most part, right? There's some kind of superiority, inferiority complex or, or uh, stratification that's been created based upon who you are, uh, the job that you work in, what your position is in the job, where you live, where you went to school. We create all kinds of value or lack of value when you hear those names. You talk about certain universities, Princeton, Duke, and all the Ivy League, and everybody's like, well, those are the smartest people in the world. Not necessarily, right? Maybe the people had a lot of money, and so guess what? The money got them in, right? But they're not the most intelligent people. We we've all, we all know all kind of examples like oh, that, yeah, right? Oh, yeah, played that around the country <laughs> yeah, recently, right? Yeah. Pretty high profile. Yeah, we know all kinds of examples like that, right? But but we need to get to just being human. That's it. I see you like I see me, and that's it. Absolutely. And it's so, it, it, you know, it's fascinating because you're getting into a concept that we probably need to explore uh, in a future episode, right, mm-hmm. is that this business of grouping people, mm-hmm. risky business indeed, 
And, you know, to foreshadow it a little bit, there's one group that doesn't ever get grouped. You know, we, we don't talk about certain groups. Mm -hmm. Other groups we talk about mm -hmm. as a group instead mm -hmm. of as individuals all mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. That perpetuates this issue, right? That mm -hmm. perpetuates the opportunity to consider somebody less than That's right. or more dangerous than That's right. or to be feared. It sounds a lot like the uh, back in, the, I guess it was in the 90s, the, you know, the super predators. Yes. Right, which we know is totally mythological, mm -hmm. never existed, mm -hmm. but had a dramatic effect on our society, how we view people. Mm -hmm. Carries over into media every day, even today. Yeah. Uh, and so that's changing people's perspectives in a way that's not good. Mm -hmm. That humanity piece, that, you know, that's Terry, this is Philip, that's this person, that person specifically is really important for us to, to carry forward. And it starts in, it starts in language, like you said. I mean, we, the only way to make anything in the world happen is to start by talking about it. That's right. That's how you enlist people. That's right. That's, right. That's how you enroll them in, in a worthy cause. And, you know, to circle back to true colors, I think it's a truly worthy cause for many of us to participate in what could happen next in a positive way because our community needs that our neighbors need that our families need that and it can be a true point of growth for our community when we do that right and, and, and i agree 100 percent. and it has to be inclusive to include those who were employees who um who are no longer employed by them, they have to be included in that solution as well, right? Because they're closer to it than we are. We're looking at it and say, well, I didn't, you know, I, ha I didn't do the things that you did and I didn't have this kind of lifestyle, but we need to learn from each other, you know, why some of those things happened in their life. What can we do to pre prevent other people from going through them and, and help them, help everyone in the community develop solutions for, for moving forward and, and solicit ideas around how they would see uh, that building possibly being repurposed or businesses there or uh, we need to have conversations, conversations. We need to have conversations. And I want to say, you know, as we begin to, to contemplate this, the worst thing we can do is, is nothing. Right. Right. Like, just because a certain thing didn't end up working long term doesn't mean it wasn't effective in the time and doesn't mean we can't be more effective going forward based on the lessons we learned from that experience. And to me, that really begins to, to value people in the way we're talking about, right? Because what you have then is I'm saying, I value the life that you've lived I value your experiences, good and bad. Mm -hmm. It's not for me to validate them. Right, right. I right, just value right. you as a person, right? right because, right. I, you know, you can't criticize a person's behaviors until you understand their choices. That's right. That's right. That's right. And, That's right. you know, a lot of times we sort of stop short of that, right? Like, what were this person's choices in the first place? Right. And when we get curious enough, 
to start asking some of those questions, I think the solutions will be right at our fingertips. I I agree. I agree. You know, people um, participate in what they help create. And so if there's some chaos out there and we're trying to find solutions to the chaos, we need to include the people who are in the chaotic situation, right? They can express themselves, right? It's a grassroots kind of movement. It can't be a movement from the top down. It has to be bottom up, top down, uh, simultaneously, right? Uh, so, yeah, I think we need to find those solutions. Yeah, and it's in grasp. You know, it's just a matter of listening well enough so yeah. much of the time, right? It comes down to, let you circle back to my to my tell me I, I algorithm, right? Mm-hmm. If we trust enough up front mm-hmm. to develop empathy through listening, mm-hmm. then we really work on what the limitations are that any particular person or group is mm-hmm. facing. That's right. Put something in a mode that we can maintain it for a while and then eliminate subsequent barriers to success. Mm-hmm. We'll get somewhere mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it'll be massive. Because, you know, it's like, the, it's like the old saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. That's if you right. want to go far, go together. That's right. That's, uh, right. that's the position we're in. You know, I think what a, great, what a great time to be alive here to begin to see how some of these things come together uh, to make Wilmington a better version, to make Wilmington what it might could have been. And that's going to be a great segue, I think, for us mm-hmm. to wrap this up because we got all kinds of things to talk about <laughs> yeah. in the future. That's right. But that's we'd right. love to invite the audience to visit us at unlikelyintersections.com. Hit Terry up on his LinkedIn profile at Terry Jackson, PhD. Or my LinkedIn profile at Doc Phillip Brown. We appreciate your time today and look forward to you joining us in the future.